0: Father in heaven, come now with your spirit and uh, speak to us. Our hearts are open. We're, we're vulnerable to your word because we've been blessed. Now take advantage of that in a righteous way and build us up today. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain for the next few years except at my word. And thus begins one of the great Bible stories in all of the Bible, one of the ones that we love to illustrate for kids. We know that that here Elijah goes boldly into the presence of the king, and that's dangerous. You can get killed doing things like that. And, and states that there'll be no rain and then he then he leaves and he goes off into the wilderness and with that fantastic story of he drinks from the stream and he literally receives bread from heaven the ravens bring him food it's a fabulous story It just just, just cries out to be told the children because it's just such a great story and I can imagine while this was going on that Elijah was enjoying this season of stability and tranquility because being a prophet probably didn't have a lot of stability or tranquility in it but now he's away he's on permanent retreat as it were and he's off by himself resting in the provision of the Lord bread is coming to him the water is flowing down okay it's not luxurious but it is what he needs and I can imagine that Elijah probably was rejoicing in the Lord's provision. Thank you, Lord. I'll just stay here by this stream until this is all over, and then we'll go back and do whatever we need to do. Thank you, Lord, for this inexhaustible provision. But the story wasn't over. Verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land now I wonder if Elijah had reasoned this is good I'm gonna stay here for three and a half years God will sustain me if that was how he was thinking what do you think he was thinking every day as he watched the brook get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller wait a minute Lord this is what you were going to do to sustain me right until it was gone. Have you ever been in a scenario like that? You know that God has miraculously sustained you, but now the mean, that means of sustenance that you have come to rely on, you see it shrinking and going away? Whenever such a situation like that happens to me, panic always seems like a reasonable option at the time. But just when you think the story is over, remember, the story isn't over. It isn't even over if you die, though if you do, you get a break from the story for a little while. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. There are seasons to life. Don't expect God to always have to provide for you the same way in every season. What was the Lord's abundant provision in the past may not be the Lord's will for the next season. 1 Kings 17, verse 7, Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now this is a most unlikely development in the story. And I want to show you a map here so you can get an idea of how unlikely all of this is. So, so Elijah's from Tishbe, so he's from on the other side of the Jordan River. And he goes across to Samaria, which is the capital of the northern kingdom. That's where Ahab was king. And delivers his message and then he heads back towards the direction the area that he knows and he goes way up in there where one of the smaller streams are where nobody's going to look for him a very remote place and probably was thinking this is great we're covered this is good until it wasn't and then the Lord said I want you to go to Zarephath that's about a hundred miles if I did my math right that's a pretty good walk it's about halfway between Tyre and Sidon, and he says, I'm sending you there to a widow, and, and she's going to take care of your needs. Now, in all likelihood, and there's pretty good evidence we'll see in a second, this widow was a Gentile. This region here was technically in the area that was allotted to Asher. But in truth, they never really drove the people out of that region. And the Phoenicians lived there. So Zarephath is actually north of Tyre. And this is the area that we would call modern-day Lebanon is where they went. The widow was likely a Phoenician. And we know this in part because Zarephath is not far from where Jesus went with his disciples when he met the Syrophoenician woman who pleaded with him to heal her daughter. Maybe you remember that story. Further evidence that this woman whom Elijah stayed with is a Gentile comes from Jesus himself, who knows this story about Elijah and quotes it in a manner that actually makes the people in Nazareth pretty mad at him. Luke chapter 4, verse 24. Truly I tell you, Jesus continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And to further his offense, Jesus goes on, verse 27, And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. They didn't like this idea that sometimes God sends his people outside of his people because his people won't help them. To which they respond, verse 28, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. You see, Jesus' story wasn't over. And neither is our Elijah story. So let's get back to the Elijah story. Verse 9, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed... Note that interesting word. A widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now I want to just say something here real quick about the Lord and his timing. That the book dries up, that he comes to Elijah and says, get going, you got a hundred mile journey and you need to be there at the perfect time. And he walks up just as the widow is gathering the last of the sticks for the last handful of flour and the last little bit of oil she has. Can God get us where we need to be at the right time? Was that careful planning on Elijah's part? The Lord can get us where we need to be. Now a point of interest here. The first point of interest I want you to notice. God says that he has directed a widow to supply Elijah's need. Yet, this widow knows nothing about her calling, right? She has no idea that Elijah's about to show up. She's out gathering the last sticks that she can find to bake the last meal because she's already conceded that she and her son are going to die. She has no idea that the Lord has appointed her to a special mission that will preserve her life so so what do we take from that well let's not be so sure that we know what God is and isn't doing through our lives and which parts of our experience are necessary and which parts of our experience are not because lots of things happen to me in my life and I think Lord why was that necessary But it may very well be that that is the very thing God is using right now to bring truth to someone else. So let's be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now the second point of interest, the woman thought she was gathering sticks for the last meal before she and her son died. But the story isn't over. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And you can imagine, hallelujah, we're saved. She thought she and her son were going to die, but now we're going to live but the story isn't over. Why can't the story be over when I feel like everything's good? Verse 17, Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Now imagine you're Elijah you're out there in the wilderness and the Lord is providing for you but the brook is drying up and there's a part of you that says well okay I guess that makes sense it's not raining the brook is drying up uh, it's understandable it's unfortunate but understandable I suppose but this does life ever kick you in the gut right when you think things are finally coming together But wait, there's something else I need to add and something you need to remember whenever your story takes a turn like this story has. Maybe you want to say it with me. The story isn't over. 1 Kings 17, verse 19, Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? You see, life is confusing even for prophets. i will say that to you again so you understand that. Life is confusing even for prophets. Let that sink in a little bit because we have these expectations about what life is like for prophets. But not even prophets always know when the story isn't over. Verse 20, then Elijah cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. Do you sense Elijah's desperation in this? And that the Lord isn't exactly answering quite as quickly as he might have hoped? You see, for all the amazing reality, I suppose, of being a prophet, it's probably a pretty lonely life. And now here's Elijah sharing life with this widow and her son. And I'm guessing that he has likely developed genuine affection for this family. How deeply do you suppose Elijah felt this loss? His actions suggest to me that he felt this very deeply and also that he felt a considerable bit of frustration that God had allowed this to happen. Sometimes even prophets become despairing that the story is over. But the story isn't over. And can you imagine the, the situation for the woman? I mean, here she is. She's conceded that she and her son are about to die. But hallelujah, we're saved from the drought. And then sometime later, to really my son died anyway but the story isn't over verse 22 the Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house and gave him to his mother and said look your son is alive then the woman said to Elijah now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. This story wasn't going to be over until everyone had come to know the truth. And now I want to expand that idea. The story we're all a part of will not be over until everyone comes to see the truth. And what is the truth everyone must come to see before the story can be over? Here it is. The great final truth that all must see is this. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus' story looked like it was over. Philippians 2, verse 6 who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And there were lots of people who thought the story was over, but the story wasn't over. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee, how many knees? Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue, how many tongues? every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This story isn't over until every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's when the story's over. Now here's the implications. You are part of the story. And you and I will go on through many trials and troubles but our story isn't over. And if we give ourselves fully to Jesus, all our pain, all our trials, all our sorrows, all of it, every reversal, every deliverance, every disaster, every peace, if we endure in faith and in hope and in love, then Jesus will take our story And use it as proof that Jesus Christ is Lord that's our part in the story so here's what I want to ask you think about your story right now where are you right now have you just experienced a deliverance did you just experience a disaster Regardless of where you are your story isn't over God will take your faithfulness and he will use it to prove that Jesus is Lord and Through your story he will bring glory to God Do you know that? The woman had no idea Don't worry that you don't know how God is doing it. The widow didn't know she'd been called either. Just be faithful to the promise of deliverance through Jesus Christ. Your story is part of what proves that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So, live every piece of it with grace. Live every piece of it with hope. Live every piece of it with courage. Because you have no idea who God may be revealing truth to through your life. Now, here's the gift to all who are faithful to the promise of deliverance in Jesus Christ you will have burdens. But here's what you can do. You can cast your burdens upon the Lord and He will sustain you. Your story isn't over. Let's pray. Father in heaven, look upon us and know that we don't understand everything that's going on. Not even prophets seem to understand everything that's going on. But, Lord, you are at work bringing about the day when every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And you have honored us to be a part of the story. So, Lord, when we face trial and challenge, when we face good fortune whatever it is that has happened. May we realize the story isn't over until every knee bows and tongue confesses. Help us to go on with faith and with hope and with love, casting our burdens upon the Lord and trusting him to sustain us. In Jesus' name, amen.